Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Working Change Podcast. This is Nate. And this is Marla. Thanks for being with us today. Um, I wanted to share something that I've used in my clinical experience, and it is important to me because of my own like experiences in my life managing things like depression, anxiety, uh, even ADHD. And I thought it would be helpful to share it with the world. And I think it's a really cool idea. It's something that I think that I've always kind of known in the back of my head, but I didn't have a name for it. And I learned that name from you, and then I've learned more about it as I'm studying. Yes. So I'm excited to share this with everybody else, too. And maybe you guys are putting a name to what it is also. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. So we're going to call it the wellness model. That's like generally what it's known by. It's it's something that people can use to manage um, physical health, but it's also thing, something that people can use to manage their mental health. And I truly believe this is something that can save somebody's life. I feel like it saved my life. And I'm hopeful that it'll be helpful for you guys. Some of these things you may absolutely know, and maybe some of these things you don't know. So hopefully this will be helpful. Um, our expectation is that this kind of will be a multiple part series. Um, we probably won't be able to get through, um, very much of it today, but we'll give a little bit of background and then get as far as we can. And then our next one, we'll go over some of the other components that we weren't able to get to today. Yeah. Um, so just to give you a little bit of idea about, well, you know, what is the wellness model and where does it come from? Um, the wellness model, as we're going to talk about today, was established um, by Dr. Bill Hetler, and he cre- he created what he called the six dimensions of wellness in the late 1970s. And the wellness model goes back way further than that. You can see evidence of the wellness model in ancient Chinese or Native American history. Right. So this is something that is that is not new, but it's become a lot more prevalent, especially in the last 20 years. It's kind of a way of living that's associated with prevention, but it's not just preventative. It's also prescriptive. And by prescriptive, what I mean is, is, um, so I had a a really, really severe depressive episode in, was it 2018? I think it was 2018. It was right around the time that we, that Marla and I met. And it was so bad that I ended up withdrawing from school and I was in bed for days at a time. I mean, I literally would only get up to use the restroom or um, to to eat. And some days I didn't eat at all. And I just felt awful. I didn't want to live. Like, it just, my life, I mean, it felt like the the place I was living was just kind of collapsing on top of me. And I didn't know what to do. And I was a mess. And I wasn't living at all i wasn't operating so what's interesting is is that when i met you i did not realize you were going through a major depressive episode i knew that you that you were sad and i knew that you were struggling but i think it's interesting that you can sometimes hide some of that from people um i mean yours was pretty extreme i mean you were hiding it from me because we didn't have close proximity right but it was it was it was an extreme case. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think so we met online. Right. And so I think at that point 
Um, I felt a little bit better and I was hoping to find some friends because I felt like I didn't have much of a support structure. Um, and, and I was also aware of the fact that, that people don't necessarily love being around people that are downers all the time. And that's hard. <laughs> like it's when you have a friend that's always in the dumps, like that takes effort to try and help cheer them up. And I'm not right. saying that, that people that are down in the dumps are dragging everybody down, which I, I want to be super careful of that. Like there were people in my life that said that they really appreciated certain things about what I brought to their lives. But but it, it's not always super easy to be friends with someone that that is stuck in a rut, if you will. Right. And I was stuck bad. So I wasn't probably totally honest with you about where I was. Oh, the truth is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you love figured it. <laughs> it out later. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so... I was really struggling with life, and I I didn't know what to do. Uh, my parents were out of state at the time. They mm-hmm. came back to, for a few weeks from what they were doing to try and, and help me out. And I ended up just kind of tripping into or falling into these different things that I hadn't been doing. And I started doing these things and I noticed I felt better. I had been going to a psychiatrist for, I think, about a year and, and we were trying all sorts of different medications. I had been on Zoloft and Wellbutrin for like 15 years and it didn't feel like it was working. We were trying different things. And after about a year of doing all of these things, I felt a lot better. And he, and he asked me, he's like, what is going on? Like, what, what are you doing that makes you feel better? And I told him. And, and then I got back into school and lo and behold, the wellness model popped up and I realized, holy cow, like that's what happened. I was missing things in my right. life. And when I started to work at, at getting these things back into my life, I started feeling better. And I still take medication. Um, I take different types of medication. I'm, I take more medication for um, anxiety as opposed to depression. My belief about myself is the anxiety is the bigger problem. And when my anxieties get too big and they prevent me from doing things, I get depressed. So I feel like if I, if I tackle the anxiety as best as I can, I have less of a problem with the depression. So that's kind of where I'm at So what are these magical things? I want to know. (laughs) Okay. Well, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So, so the wellness model is basically a way of living. So it's a holistic approach. It is. It is it's holistic. It's a whole. We're looking to at life. a human being as a whole thing, right. not as just a physical being or just right. an emotional being. I have many whatever. parts to who right. I am. Right. And okay. all of those combine to to create the whole person which, you know, as we live a whole life, you know, we're able to people seem to have less issues with anxiety and depression right. and 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 report feeling more satisfied with their life and happy and things like that. Well, this seems more like a positive approach. And I know that they have coined this is more of like a positive psychology approach. Yes. So this is more associated with positive psychology. Positive psychology came about in, the, I think, the late 1990s. And it, it basically recognizes that, that the field of psychology is really highly focused on negative things within people's lives. And it's right. like, how do we solve these things? Positive psychology wants to, to recognize the negative, but then say, well, what is a person's strengths? Right. What do they do well? Right. What do they have going for them in their life? And how can they utilize those things to make improvements or changes that will ultimately help them overcome some of these challenges? 
and that's ultimately where our, our the name that we we arrived at for this podcast came from. Working change. The idea right. that it's work to change parts of our lives that maybe aren't healthy, whether it be thinking or whether it be you know certain habits that we have that aren't serving us well. To me, it feels like a very like proactive. It is kind of approach it to, to to health. It is, and and the important factor in all of this is its work. Right. So it's not always easy. It will get easier as we do these things more and more. But I will tell you, when I was you know laying around in bed feeling terrible and not being able to get up, and my dad my my dad brought a family friend over that was a doctor that was was just asking me if I could just get up and walk you know around the block and i mean that sounded impossible right right and and you know now like how important our morning walks are to me right our morning walks are, are like sacred right don't <laughs> they you happen dare. every day <laughs> yeah yeah we have an 18 month old that sometimes doesn't want to let us walk she doesn't want to be in the stroller and you see how frustrated i go no i need my walk Stop. And that's good for a lot of different reasons. And I think we can tie that back into when we actually talk about what those six parts. Are you ready to like, you're teasing me. Are you ready to give it to me? What are those six things? All right. So now we're going to talk about the components of the wellness model. Now there's a few, there's a few different types of wellness models. I I became familiar with like an eight component wellness model as well. And we, we actually might talk about these kind of two extra components but but the one that i was most comfortable using because of schooling and things like that was a six dimension okay wellness model and that wellness model was um i i i, I wanted an acronym like i think in terms of acronyms. i need acronyms for everything okay i i'm totally on board with you otherwise i won't remember six yeah. things yeah so, <laughs> so so i went with poises and okay. i'm not even sure that's a word although i looked it up online and it claimed it was a word but it doesn't we're gonna sound get like a word poises yeah we're gonna poises. go with it poise okay. so i think people know what poise is you know you have right poise is, is your ability to uh be comfortable and and shine in a moment of difficulty so it actually kind of works you know with with what we're trying to accomplish here. right Right. Um, so poises. So the P is physical. Right. Okay. So we have a physical dimension. And that physical dimension would include things like um, exercise. Okay. Like sleeping. Diet. Yeah. Sleeping. Like anything related to our physical body. Okay. And uh, our, you know, our physical uh, environment. And the O? Occupational. Okay. Occupational is more related to... Um, look, we all don't necessarily have jobs we love. I love my job, but I have had jobs I haven't loved. It's less about loving our job. It's more about work-life balance. It's more about how you know we are able to do our job in a way that, that allows us to find fulfillment and things okay. like that. So what are we on next? I? I. I. Intellectual. <laughs> so intellectual for some people is easier than others. If you're in school studying something you enjoy, then mm-hmm. definitely that that's a big part of our intellectual. But it's also about, you know, do we take time out of our day to read something that we enjoy, to challenge ourselves, you know. Or to use our brain. Exactly. I mean, Sudoku is a great right. intellectually stimulating activity. Sure. So, Puzzles, yeah. things mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah. So that's all part of that. Okay. So we're on S. So there's two S's. You can go either way. I'm going to go ahead and go with social. Okay. So social is just as it sounds, you know, do you have 
a support structure, a social support structure? Do you have friends that you're close to? Do you have supportive family? Do you have, you know, for some people it might be they, they might have um, a religious affiliation and so they have close ties there. Or it might be that they have community groups. organizations. Exactly. exactly. Or, right. Exactly. Okay. So that all ties in to the social. Okay. And the E? So the E is emotional. That is very much what what we are really tapped into right. is is managing emotions. Um, I thought about this a lot. If I had one word that I'd like to see, like when people come into my office and they're having a hard time and they're not sure what to do, um, the one word that I really like these people to latch onto is hope. Right. If people develop a sense of hope that things can get better, that things will improve, that goes a long way to managing some of these difficulties that that, that we have. Because we all have emotional difficulties to some extent or another. Right. No, and, and I think that like when I met you, you were pretty hopeless. Yes. And so it was like planting those little seeds that this is hopeful. We, mm-hmm. we, you can turn this around. You can do this. You can walk the block. You can get out of bed. Those things are necessary. But right. that hope is really motivating. Yeah, and and it's also something that again you have. I think you have to work right. towards adopting that kind of an outlook. Like right. sometimes life. I mean, life is hard. It's mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think it's hard for everyone personally. Everyone has just some hard kind of for a you, Nate. I, I, <laughs> I wish that it was only hard for me, and everybody else was living the dream. <laughs> okay, so what is our last S? So our last S is spiritual. Okay. And on its face, I think a lot of people see religion, but it's not necessarily a religious thing per se. Right. It can be religion. Right. But it, it's connection to something bigger than ourselves. Correct. So for some people, it's... Some people use the religion as a vehicle to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So spirituality, like you said, is connection. It's Yeah, it's connection to something that's larger than us. So right. for some people, they volunteer. Right. You know, and so it's it's giving time to other people. For some people, it's like getting out in, in connection well, with nature. Well, let's face it. Okay, so some men, football is spiritual. <laughs> I guess. Okay, I, I got to jab I, you because you and your fantasy football. This is football. fantasy football season and you're sick of it already. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. So some men, it's like nature is spiritual for a lot of people. So there's a lot of ways to find connection with something yeah. larger than ourselves. Yeah. So. So the, it's interesting that you bring up fantasy football. I would oh, put no. fantasy football more in the social category because I have friends and we like to talk okay. about, you know, some of my friends that I don't talk to that much during football season, we're, you know, we're jabbing each other and right. we're, you know, we're talking right. and we're interacting, which is good for us. Don't let them fool you. I think there is a spiritual component okay. here. Okay, well, you, know, <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. Okay, so we're back to poises. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of a rough outline and we're going to go into each of these in um, quite a bit more detail. So let's talk about the P today. Yes. Yes. We're going to talk about the physical. And the physical is a big one. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of data on this. And... Um, I, I tend to believe that here in the U.S. and and maybe even in other industrialized nations, but particularly here in the U.S., um, we live a very sedentary lifestyle. Well, I think one of the studies that I looked up and found um, it said that our children sit in, in, on an average of seven point seven hours sedentary. Yeah, and that's probably related to school. I would imagine, right? Probably. But, you know, I'm thinking of all of the other things that they do. I mean, our children, like from the time that we grew up to Mm -hmm. our kids, watching our kids now, tablets, computers, 
cell video phones. games, cell phones, they're sitting more. Yeah. You know, um, even with like the fires that are going on right now in California, they're indoors a lot more sitting. You right. know, there's a lot less physical activity outdoors. Right. So um, that's a big issue, I think. So I, I found, came across a, a couple different things for physical can be like we said can be broken into many different categories. Yes. What do we want to attack? I think I want to attack three big ones like sleep, diet, and exercise. What do you think? Yeah, I think those are great. Yeah, okay. let's focus on those. So everything that I kind of came up with is more geared towards children. I think that like we have this big issue with children. I know that in my own personal life, we have children mm -hmm. that I feel like um, need some physical help. Um, one of them, I, exercise can be difficult, especially when they really want to just sit in front of a video game or on their phone all day. And I think that, that there's an important thing to understand here. So, so video games are fascinating and social media. I mean, just screens in general apply, like we can get dopamine, which is a, you know, a little bit of a, a, a little dose of happiness, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's short term happiness, right. but it's a, it's a little dose of, of happiness, um, you know, and, and it feels good through playing a video game, through right. watching TV that we, a TV show we like. And that has not always been the case. Like for a lot of people, you know, physical, doing something physical, which is, is an absolutely excellent way to manage anyone's like health, especially emotional, mental health. Um, we get an absolute, I mean, truckload of, of neurotransmitters from exercising. Right. That's why, to me, exercise might be the the most important part of the physical. I don't want to. Well, I know that when we were dating, if you like tried to come and mm -hmm. see me and you had not been to the gym, I sent you home. Yeah, <laughs> you're a different person when you exercise. Yeah, completely. I, Some people it affects them. I think. On a whole different kind of level, it affects all of us. Don't get me wrong, but some people absolutely need it. And I, I would say that everyone needs it. Now, there, some people have sure. challenges where it's difficult to exercise, and we certainly want to to acknowledge that. Um, but anything that we can do, if we are able, exercise wise, right. is important. Now, you found some interesting studies that that talked about exercise as kind of an inverted U. Do you want to right. talk about what that was? Yeah, there about? was a really big study, and they took 1.2 million people. Okay, um, so a huge study in the U.S. And they did like a longitudinal study between the periods of 2011 and 2015. Mm -hmm. And they compiled the, the data. Um, it was Checkroute et al. who did it. And they found that we, we often think that the more the better mm -hmm. in, in things. But it, that's not the case with ec exercise. They found that 45 minutes of exercise three to five times a day showed the greatest. A, a week? A day. <laughs> I mean, that's, pretty, that's, that's a lot pretty of exercise, awesome. <laughs> I want Nate to do that. <laughs> 45 minutes of exercise three to five times a week <laughs> show the greatest correlation um, with mental health and a okay. decrease in your mental health. Like you, the more you exercise at that range, the better your mental health is going to be. Gotcha. Um, in fact, some people think like if I just exercise a lot, I'm going to feel well. Like my mental health is going to get better. But sometimes that swings you to the opposite side of now I'm addicted to this. I need this to feel good. And that's something that we need to also be aware of. Right. Um, interestingly, it also noted that like team sports 
are the are the greatest correlation for for positive mental health too. So, like an individual sport, you don't get the same kind of uh, mental health benefit as you do if you play a team sport. Yeah, which I think is interesting for other different reasons. I, well, I, and I'd like to interject here. When I was coming out of this depressive state, the thing that I thought was most beneficial for me mm-hmm. was I got a gym membership, and I had a, a friend that I'd known for a lot of years, Jake, and he was kind of looking to get active. He liked to run. I don't really like running, but he said he'd go to the gym with me. And so we'd go to the gym, and we went to the gym four or five, sometimes six times a week. And I felt like that that one thing helped me more than any other. And now there's kind of a crossover there between the social right. and the physical. But I think that, that that also plays into team sports. Like right. you're socializing in a way as you're as you're doing something physical. And I, both of those things are designed to to again give us that neurotransmitter bump that is is highly correlated with feelings of happiness and and things like that. So So. I like to think that our walks in the morning are a team sport. That is exactly right. (laughs) So if you, if you're walking with a buddy, you have a team sport. If you can, (laughs) if you can do that, look, walking on your own is better. And if the best thing you can do is put on headphones and jam out to your favorite tunes or listen to a podcast, do that, do that. I would say, it's even better if you can you can go with someone and and talk and enjoy the you know right. and you know hopefully a positive conversation. <laughs> if an argument breaks out, then I'd be like, Nate's an idiot. I can't really listen They've to had him. some intense walks, but that's okay. <laughs> so, anything more that we want to say on exercise? I think exercise is super important. We could spend a whole podcast on exercise, but I do want to hit um, sleep and diet. Yeah, um, I just wanted to clarify on that inverted U. Um, The inverted U is, is, hopefully everyone can conceptualize that. So you have, it starts if you have like the bottom of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then it goes up. And this is is the amount of exercise you do, the better you feel. And then at some point it peaks and it starts to drop where you're, you're getting more exercise and you're feeling worse. Right. And so... I don't know where that point is. And I don't believe that paper specifically said where that point is. And I it think might, it's different for every person. Right, right. And that's what I want to point out. Um, you know, you have to kind of figure out where that place is. I don't want, I, my biggest concern is, is that people will hear this and be like, well, you know, they said ex- too much exercise actually makes you worse. I don't <laughs> think that most people, no. <laughs> most people are exercising that much. Right. My experience is, right. is there's not a lot of people that are exercising that much. I think another thing to, to remember is in one of the studies that I read, um, it takes about eight weeks for us to see the long-term benefits mm-hmm. of exercise. Right. I think some of us, and this is why we have a problem with the beginning of the, the year, and we're like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to do this. We we do it for a couple days, and we're like, what? I didn't lose 20 pounds. Like, what's the deal here? You have to keep with it. You have to be consistent. And so eight weeks is a long time to see that long-term effect. But you're going to see some of the short-term effects immediately. Just mm-hmm. going for that walk or going to the gym once, you're going to feel better that day. Yes. So keep at it. Mm-hmm. It's a consistent thing. Totally agree. So are we on, you want to do sleep first or diet? Let's talk about sleep. Okay. Sleep is really important. I, I don't know. Yes, for it me, is. it's really important because I have a child that won't let me sleep. <laughs> I think I got a little bit uh, soft and... Um, I was enjoying my sleep as an adult. Like the last child I had, I was like, sweet. Now I'm going to sleep the rest of my life all through the night. No, 
that's not how it works with us anymore. So I can attest to the fact that like, if you're getting broken sleep or inconsistent or just not good sleep, uh, poor sleep, I mean, I, I can't even talk today. So I mean, <laughs> I'm a testament here. Poster child. Sleep is important. It's important for cognitive function. It's important for emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. I know that like with our children, when we, when we, they don't sleep, we notice that they're a little more whiny. They just, they don't. Well, our children are interesting because um, they both show, we don't, we have not been assessed for ADHD, but they both so show signs of ADHD, right. which we're, we're aware of because I have it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to manage it through other things, the physical and, and for any of you that have ADHD or have children that have ADHD, these physical components are, are huge right. to keeping, to allowing your kids to feel their best, to be less impulsive, to be more compliant, to be, you know, less, um, combative or, or, you know, whatever kinds right. of symptoms. They're well, anytime with. we have an issue with one of the, those two children, we, we, we look at those three things. Yes. We look at sleep, we look at the diet, and we look at the exercise, mm-hmm. and we adjust accordingly, because they are so important. And they're not the only ones, but they are really big. No, they yeah, all really, of our really kids, big. when they don't get sleep, mm-hmm. are just a little bit more difficult. I, I, and what I mean is, is those are not the only components to you know managing children and ADHD-type symptoms. I wish. Yeah, but, that would but be nice. Those are, those are biggies. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So sleep. Back to sleep. Yes. So you you study you looked at a few papers and mm-hmm. found some very interesting things. What did you find most interesting about what you read? Well, just what I had said that like the, your emotions are really tied to sleep. Your mm-hmm. cognition is really tied to sleep. Um, you're not going to perform at your best if you have not slept. Yeah. I think the other thing that I found that um, they took they did a study where they took children and they gave them eight hours of sleep and they took another batch and they gave them four hours of sleep and they just couldn't function the same. And then there's a natural circadian rhythm. Sometimes we can get out of our rhythm and our sleep is is poor because of that too. Mm-hmm. So our children, I think, are severely underslept. I don't know if that's a word, but um, they need more sleep and they need a yeah. routine. So getting them to bed at every you know the same amount of time every night and waking them up at the same time is hard. I mean, school obviously gets some children up super early or other you know. Um, sports or things gets them to bed later or whatever but regulating their sleep and helping them regulate their sleep is important and i i think that a lot of that is about the environment what i thought was interesting is is you know one of the papers talked about you know making sure that they're in an environment that's free of electronics like tvs xboxes tablets computers in their bedroom is a bad idea right and the temperature i mean you Mm -hmm. gotta also i think they mentioned that anywhere from like 60 to 67 degrees is a perfect temperature to sleep in right and i'm like hallelujah yes you know i like like it a little bit cooler yeah you know, you can't sleep in 80 degrees. That, that, that's it's hard. just miserable. It's, I find it tougher. Yeah. So um, making sure that those components are set up so that your children can sleep well, or even as an adult that you can sleep well. Right. I know that like, if I don't have my pillow just right, I don't sleep well. Yeah. And I, I think another thing that's important to mention, which, which you read in a, actually a study you, you uh, were looking at for a class that you took mm-hmm. this quarter, was the fact that older children's circadian rhythms shift backwards meaning they will start wanting to go to bed later and getting up later that's natural right. that's natural yeah you're, you cannot put your teenager to bed at like six o'clock it, it just isn't going to work 
They're, they're not going to ever go to bed that early yeah. unless they're super tired. Yeah. Um, they're going to tend to want to go to bed like nine yeah. or 10. Yeah. Or, or, you know, or later and, yeah. you know, and the weekends, you know, maybe that's a different thing. Like, I, I don't think it's a great idea to necessarily tell your 17 year old that's going to prom. Okay. Well, you need to be back at 10 o'clock because I heard on a podcast that you need to go to bed on time. So you can get up at six tomorrow. Um, <laughs> they may hurt you. Know, you. <laughs> we, yeah. We, we have to, you know, find some, some flexibility where, right. where everybody can, can get, you know, at least part. Just making sure that they get the right. sleep afterwards yeah. is probably the best thing. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to, I, I don't have the study on this. This was something that was told to me by another student that I thought was really, was really interesting. Um, it looks like about seven hours is what it takes for our cortico cerebral fluid to kind of wash over our brain, which is kind of a cleansing action, which is super interesting. And I knew nothing about that. Um, but, um, Again, everyone's probably a little bit different. Maybe some people only need six or six and a half. I've heard some physicians say that they think that six is kind of the minimum. Um, you know, but our body goes through a process where we're not only we're not only kind of reclassifying things within our minds and, and our memories, but but there's a physical, actual physical process of cleansing our brains that are is important. So get that sleep, everybody. Right, definitely. It's like setting your dishwasher for your brain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then diet. Ooh, diet. That's a whole 10-hour episode. <laughs> Get, give me what you got. You don't have 10 hours, so... So give, diet, give I think, is interesting um, in that, like, there are two sides here. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, food insecurity and diet, so not, not eating enough and being malnourished. Okay. And then also the, the other side, which is the overeating portion. I think we talk a lot about overeating in this society because we... Our obesity level is, has gone up dramatically over yeah. the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is that other side where um, we're not getting the right kinds of food. And I think that's the issue. I don't, I don't think – I don't know a lot of people that, that don't have enough food. I know there are people that don't have enough food. Mm-hmm. But I think what I tend to see is and – and I've done this myself – is people eating high-calorie foods that don't have a lot of nutrients. Right. So their body's not getting everything they need, but they're they're getting far more calories than they actually need, and that is part of what's making us sick. Right, right. Um, so just talking about the fact that like putting the right stuff into your body, you know, putting in the good gas into your body, um, and making sure that it's dense in nutrients. Mm-hmm. For you. Fruits, vegetables, right. you know, whole grains, lean meats. Right. I remember one time, like, my, one of my oldest daughter was young and we were eating dinner. And this is a funny story now, but she came to me and she wanted another. We were eating pizza for dinner or whatever. And she came to me and she wanted an apple. And I was like, you can't have that apple until you eat another piece. You eat your pizza. <laughs> and my sister stopped me and she was like, are you listening to yourself? Like, you are not giving your child an apple so that she can eat pizza. And I think that sometimes we can... We can get into that kind of mindset, yeah. you know, and, and so to remember that, like, making the good, the food choices, good choices. Yeah. And, you know, my psychiatrist, when I was diagnosed um, with ADHD, and um, thankfully, it's a little bit more mild to moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me, he said, you know, if you can find a way to cut out, like, like, simple carbs and, and sugars, and, and you can't cut it out completely, but reduce your sugars and your simple carbohydrates, like your, your breads and pastas. And, you know, there are whole wheat pastas. So, but it, you know, more of the, the enriched white flour type of things. Um, 
you'll feel better. And I did it and I felt better. Right. Well, I've come across um, some studies that said that like the Mediterranean diet is is Mm -hmm. one of the best diets that they've done. Certainly for heart health, but I think that you would see a lot of, of, uh, brain health as well. It's, it's high in, um, in great fats. Mm -hmm. So anytime you can get good fats, um, it's nutrient dense. Yeah. The, there's a, a lot of evidence right now that looks at, um, is it EPA? I think it's EPA, which is um, the, is it fatty acids? So this is where, this is, I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm asking for, for help here because <laughs> I might be wrong. But it, it's found in omega-3 fatty acids. Right. And there's a lot of interesting benefits that, that come from that. So eating the right foods that have that, which would be more like your fish and things. Right. I think the other thing to mention in this is this, that we also tie food in this society as a, a, a family structural thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever your family looks like, food is it tends to be like... At the center? At the center of yeah. it all. So sometimes just resetting different traditions for the family so that food doesn't take the center stage as much or a healthier food product. Well, and I think this is latter. It's a healthier food. Like we all love getting together and eating delicious foods, but you know, maybe what we need to do is if possible is, is eat more whole foods. Right. There's a lot of benefits to that. Now, I mean, on the modeling that, I mean, let's face it. Like we're, if you want your children to eat healthy, Mm -hmm. You got to show them what that yeah. looks like, also, yeah. and give them the opportunity to do that. Right. Expand their palate. Right, and and that's all important. I also believe, you know, at one point I lost fifty pounds. I'm a bigger guy, and I did that through like a higher protein, lower carb diet. Um, but I also gave myself cheat days. I'm a big believer that you have to be able to give yourself. So it can't always be, you know, my my child acts crazy, however they act. You know, I, I don't like them bouncing off the walls or not paying attention in school or whatever it may be. So you can never have sugar again. Right. Um, you know, it's okay to give them these things. Just give it to them less often. Right. In moderation. Right. Right. So was there anything left to the diet or, or was that most of the stuff that you wanted to I cover? think time-wise, I think that's it. We could okay. do another podcast on diet someday. And I think we will um, probably more linked to um, ADHD management because um, right. I think it's it's really important. But this is kind of more focused on the wellness model as a whole. Right. So, so doing those three things, I think just those three mm-hmm. things alone with your physical health, it's going to improve it yeah, those, and shift you in the right direction. Those are all helpful for managing emotional wellness, which again, that's our focus. If you feel better, like externally, because you're losing weight and you're, you feel better about the way your body looks and you feel good about the things you're putting in your body. And like, there is an emotional, like a a positive emotional effect. Right. Absolutely. So that's, uh, the wellness model up to the physical and then we'll go ahead and, uh, and, and get our next podcast going, which will cover, um, probably three or four. Um, so that would be occupational. That would be intellectual. That would be social and possibly get to, uh, the emotional. We'll see. That Mm -hmm. might be a big one. So we might have to do a, a different one for that. So anyway, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate the listen and uh, we will catch you next time.